0: Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK systems That's through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Around the League podcast. Loves Priyanka.
1: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys?
2: Hey, Dan. Just yep. listening to you dance on uh, the gold standards grave over here.
1: What what do you mean,
2: Gold Standard's grave? You deleted him from instant messenger. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it was shame. It was <laughs> shameful. You forgot his name. This Talking about all. our dearly
3: departed producer.
2: Yeah,
1: no, that's not true at all. I was that's God called not having called fun. Yet. Again, this is the second time today that I'm having to explain this to my colleagues. That is absurdist humor that I'm working with that maybe is not <laughs> connecting. With uh, the guys I work with. I
4: like to call it subhuman behavior.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, so welcome to Friday's show, the Around the League podcast. Um, World Cup has begun. People are excited. Gold Standard, our now former erstwhile producer. Obviously, I connected the dots. His last day was the day before the World Cup began. Mm. So we understand why he ended the way he ended. We will always remember Zach Goldman, but we have to move forward. Three
2: of us will always remember. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we will. Well, the three of you will. So we got a nice show today. The World Cup's going on, but we're still about the American football first and foremost. Although we respect the, quote, beautiful game.
3: We do, because we have so many international listeners. We've received some crazy numbers of the people that listen to us overseas. So Yes,
1: and thank you so much. Thank so, you,
3: Denmark. Denmark's a big mm, one. Yeah, England, Thank you, Denmark. 40, over 40% of our listeners overseas.
1: And the seven guys listening in China for some reason? <laughs> well, you know, that's a pretty nice thing that you did.
4: Well, we were thinking this links nicely with the potential that we might have to go to one of these NFL games in London this right. season. Oh,
3: oh, 15 mm-hmm. 16% of the people listening to this are, are from the UK, so we we got to yeah. start up a movement to go cover those games. Usually
1: we're, we're, we're trying to watch out for the shadowy <laughs> league figures, but I want announcement for the shadowy league figures listen we have a great reach into other nations we can be your ambassadors if you let us send us to europe send us to australia denmark would be send us to denmark we will make the game bigger and we will make it truly the beautiful
2: game the nfl i would love to go to denmark <laughs> <laughs> well, I've read like a couple of Bill Bryson books where yeah. he spends time Who in wouldn't. Denmark they just seem like very nice people. <laughs> wouldn't want to go. They have their priorities sounds in order. Great. What is the Sweden is big The oh, oh,
1: Swedish people. What is Denmark? What do you call them? They're Danish. Danish? Dutch. Oh, that's great. Well,
2: you are you know, starting from scratch. Yeah, yeah. If you're drunk in Denmark and out of order, the police don't harass you, they help you back into your home. All right. By the sounds way, like a nice fit for I grew us. up in <laughs> Weybridge in Surrey, England. Crikey And I have
4: not been back since, so shadowy leave figure per diem, full-paid flight. Let's go. All
1: right. It's on Greg, the boss, to figure this out. Big show today. Big show, folks. You're going to enjoy it. We're going to do more talk about our Making the Leap series on NFL. Do we have a vanity URL? We do. A little insider talk. It is NFL.com backslash. Making the Leap. Makes makes a lot of sense. We're going to get into it. A (laughs) AFC South wide receiver that we're going to get into uh, a little later in the show. We're going to do our segment that we started, I guess it was earlier this week or maybe last week. I can't remember anything anymore. Rookie Whispers. I'm going to talk about some rookies that have got some things (laughs) going on. They're doing some work and OTAs and minicamps. And that's uh, something to keep an eye on, who can make instant impacts in 2014. But before we do that, we're going to do the news. And before we get to the news... We're going to meet our new producer. He is a man that if you listen to NFL.com podcasts, you are already aware of his name and who he is behind the glass now and hopefully forever ending the curse of the producer for the (laughs) ATL podcast. We go through more than Spinal Tap goes through drummers. He is TD. What's going on, guys? (laughs) TD! Mm, TD, of course. Sounds good. And we have a lot of shared listenership between uh, our show and the Dave Damaschek football program, known, better known as Black Tie, on DDFP. TD is going to be our new producer, so... Take it away, T D. What do you think, buddy?
5: What's going on, guys? I got to say, I'm excited to uh, to take this new project on. Obviously, with the international goals you guys have, that's you know right up my alley. World so, domination. We're, we're, yes. we're working on it. That's awesome. But I'll finally get to find out if you know Rosie actually stands when you guys say ah, you stands. out yes. of course. So, of course. see if that. And happens. this isn't
1: truly your your vir- your I was going to say virgin voyage. Let's go with maiden voyage. Yeah, your maiden voyage for the ATL podcast. <laughs> oh. You've guest produ- produced a couple times before. Uh, filling in, but now you're our full time guy. And I will say one thing, TD, and beware on social media. A lot of people grew attached to the gold standard. So there's probably going to be some period where you're going to have to win them over. But people said the same thing about the gold standard when you replaced K Rich. Yeah. So I, I remember I got that. a lot of faith in
5: TD. Here. I will say yeah. this a couple of people in here that were a little bit, you know, mm, in a the little building. bit worried Ooh, when uh, the gold, gold standard point. first uh, took fair over. Point. But uh, yeah, definitely. I. I You know, the PR side of me says, you know, I can't, you know, I'm not even going to try to fill the cleats, you know, (laughs) go stand his cleats. But on the the flip side of things, I almost feel like how J.J. Abrams must have felt having to deal with both Star Trek and Star Wars. Okay. I'm ready to go, guys.
1: You are definitely the first uh, producer to refer to your PR angle.
2: I also, I like
1: have that. That, that, a
5: PL voice and a, you know that
1: whole demeanor. I got it
5: That will go. be
2: just about enough Star Trek references on this <laughs> podcast. Take that, to no Elliot Harrison's
1: <laughs> podcast in the future.
2: Twelfth uh, time is a charm from yes. the producer
1: front. <laughs> so yes, we. You're probably in great danger. Just a heads up uh, because of what's happened to every one of our producers. But we hope this is a long and fruitful partnership. And uh, why don't we get it going, TD? Let's do some news. We talked about on Wednesday's podcast, Kristen Michael potentially eating into Marshawn Lynch, Lynch's workload. Uh, and we wondered, you know, how that potentially would sit with Lynch if that if that were to happen. Now, some interesting news uh, from NFL media insider Ian Rappaport, who reported Thursday that Lynch has quietly been seeking a new contract, according to sources affirmed, uh, informed of the situation. And he could stay away from mandatory minicamp in Seattle next week which is uh, very interesting. Obviously, he's stayed away from OTAs this year. Not unusual for Lynch. That's kind of been his M.O., but if he's missing minicamp, something's up, and according to Mr. Rappaport, it is going back to money, as most things in life do.
3: Yeah, good luck with that. He has no leverage. He signed a contract only two years ago, and it pays him almost $8 million a year, which is pretty good for a running back and they don't want to set the precedent of paying guys halfway into the contract. And, oh, by the way, three months after he signed that last contract, he got a DUI. I don't think they're going to want to step back up to the plate to just give him more money. I think he has no leverage in this.
4: It's pretty telling that a guy that has averaged 300 carries a year for the past three years and certainly is the centerpiece of that offense last season that helped them win a Super Bowl at that position has no leverage.
2: Can't blame him for trying... If he is trying to cash in one more time, he's entering the decline phase, entering his age twenty eight season, which is when running backs start to decline. Can't blame him for trying, but it really doesn't mean anything if he's absent from a mini camp.
3: Well you can fine him so you lose a little money. In the end, in these cases, they wind up not finding the guy. Cause they don't want to get Marshawn Lynch mad over seventy thousand dollars, which is roughly what they can find him. You know what I'm interested in, is this gonna be just one of those disposable summer stories that we forget about quickly? Or could we be sitting in this studio, you know, a couple weeks into August and still talking about this, that he hasn't showed up to training camp and it's becoming a bit of a distraction or whatever you want to call it, a drain on them and something that we continue to talk about.
2: It's
4: not the worst thing for the Seahawks, frankly, because this is a guy that you don't want to overwork at any point up before week one anyways. So if he misses – some training camp or even a preseason game or two. He's a running back. Right. As long as he's
3: there week one, he's fine. Plus, we got Kristen Michael. Sessler's making the leap, boy. Forget that 100 carry projection. Let's throw that up to 150. Maybe Lynch better watch out. Might have to go republish that Doesn't get his job back. (laughs)
1: How about Kristen Michael takes advantage of what looks like an opportunity here with Lynch potentially sitting out. Now you drop the teen in the spelling of his name. Go to Chris Michael. While the starter's sitting out, now you got all the momentum surging towards a 300 carry season.
4: That's what it's all based <laughs> around, Dan. Yes. Changing the name. Two
3: first names, though. You never really trust those guys either. So that's a Never problem. trust a two-first-name
1: guy. I agree. Moving forward, the book is now closed on Colin Kaepernick's Miami investigation uh, from an alleged April incident involving the Niners quarterback. The Miami-Dade State Attorney's Office announced Thursday that prosecutors will not bring charges against Kaepernick— Niners wide receiver Quinton Patton or Seattle Seahawks receiver Ricardo Lockett, uh, who were all named in the incident report, filed April 4th. Uh, A spokesman for the Miami-Dade PD made it very clear as well that the case was not dropped. There was never a case to start with. This was always just an investigation. Obviously, there wasn't enough fire to go with the smoke. Kaepernick is cleared and we move on.
4: We move on. Uh, If you're someone who covers football, you are praying as we move into what is the dark period before the season and training camp begins that every one of these players stays out of law's way. Just go and read books. Be quiet. (laughs) Sit (laughs) underneath (laughs) trees. Please stay out of the news. More than any other.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Reading books is a great way to relax. Sit underneath (laughs) trees. That's the vision of an NFL player's offseason. Go into the
1: forest. (laughs) Moving on, gentlemen. Uh, one half of the famed Williams wall in Minnesota is moving to Seattle NFL media insider Ian Rappaport reports defensive tackle Kevin Williams has agreed to turns with the Seahawks on a one-year deal uh, according to a source informed of his plans he chose the Seahawks the defending Super Bowl champions over the Patriots and a return to the Vikings uh, Williams obviously was he's a veteran now he's been in the game for I don't over a decade, I'd say, right?
2: Yes. Twelve years. Andy.
1: And he, But still an effective starter last year, getting a little long in the tooth, but this could be a nice bargain signing by the Seahawks, no?
2: Reminiscent of two guys last year, Carlos Dansby and Daryl Smith, who didn't sign mm. until very late in the offseason and had Pro Bowl caliber seasons.
3: Th- th- that's a really good comparison. And it also reminded me of some of the Seahawks signings from last season. Even though Cliff Avril and um, Michael Bennett – or much younger in their careers, the Seahawks saw value in them sitting out on the open market. And I think they made signings at a lowered rate that they didn't expect to, and that's what happened with Williams. He sat out there long enough. They thought he can help them. He should be able to really improve their defensive tackle rotation. They probably won't have to start. That's a tough team up front.
4: This is a team that when they watched Red Bryant walk out the door too. everyone we talked to at the Super Bowl mentioned him and a few others as one of the leaders in that locker room. So you're adding a veteran presence, which is not a team that's desperate for leaders, but he adds that angle. But, but what does long in the tooth mean? I don't understand yeah. what that means. That was reverberating through my mind. as you age. Really? Or do your gums I don't know. just recede?
1: I, don't, I always found it weird that it your, your fingernails grow when you're dead. That always freaked me out. Maybe it's tied in somewhere. I
2: like that your face stays the same, but your ears and nose grow throughout your life. It's very disheartening.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bad stuff is going to happen to all of us. That's basically the end game here. Good news, gentlemen. We have a Hard Knocks team for 2014. Announced Thursday, the Atlanta Falcons. Get excited, folks. They have agreed to take part in the ninth season of the acclaimed HBO documentary series. Uh, This will be the Falcons' first appearance on the show. And the first NFC team since 2008. Also interesting, uh, NFL put in new rules last year where you were able to duck the show and not been forced to be on the show. They uh, Falcons were a team that could have avoided the show because they, the, they were in the playoffs in one of the last two years. But they chose to be on the show. So the Falcons wanted to be a part of the project, and now they are.
3: Goes back to ownership. Arthur Blank wanted to be on the show. So they're on the show. I doubt Thomas... Dimitrov or Mike Smith were jumping up and down. Hey, let's do some hard knocks. But, you know, they, they want to sell a new stadium in Atlanta. They want to sell a few more tickets. team that, surprisingly, has struggled to sell tickets at times, uh, despite winning a lot of games lately.
2: This is one of those issues where you can see people who follow football versus the older, out-of-touch columnists who are calling this the Falcons signed up for a circus. Like, it really kept the Bengals from getting to the playoffs last year. Nothing embarrassed the Bengals out of last year's show. And by the way, while
1: we're on the subject of just people that are out of touch at work in the sports media, (laughs) we were talking about this downstairs. If you do not know soccer and you're just checking in for the World Cup, which I think uh, all of us are, we're kind of just casual fans. TD behind the glass is a legit uh, soccer fan. But don't pretend you're an expert now for the next month. And Very act, tedious. act like all of a sudden, oh, a brilliant header by Maradona. It's like you don't know what's happening, so just enjoy it, but don't pontificate on something you don't know about.
2: <laughs> Thank you generic NFL scribe for your penetrating analysis of that right. angle. You don't have to sh- you don't have to
3: share every thought. Keep some thoughts to yourself. And that's
1: a more a societal problem in-, in general you bring up Greg yeah, you have to share everything, okay? <laughs> of course, uh, this comes from the guy that was tweeting about Alan Thick's infomercials earlier today. So I guess we're just an oversharing society. Or
4: the point. guy that, boldly without asking anyone around him, uh, <laughs> if this would be the case, announced Croatia as ATL's <laughs> team of the year. Question mark. <laughs> Don't agree. Question mark. Er- but they're They're losers. They lost. So. Uh, absurdist, a sli- humor. Slightly sexier, absurdist humor. Thank you. Slightly sexier than Croatia, I think, are the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> but, you know, a <laughs> nice lot of the, the knock Mark. on the Falcons is that they're boring, right? They play in a boring stadium, blah, blah, blah. That's your knock on the Falcons. I'm not the only one that feels <laughs> oh, that way. Well, the knock from the people. I no, no, hate the dome. <laughs> I think they are regarded as a bit of a dull outfit. But w- what HBO's series does every year is it can take a team that you feel one way about and completely flip it. And I think that's the benefit for the Falcons is, I I don't know, I I guess out of the gate I'm not that interested in Mike Smith, Matt Ryan, or really a lot of players on this team. But I know that HBO is going to make me see some of the assistants and some of these guys a different way.
2: Who's more interesting than Thomas Dimitrov
4: among NFL executives? I I like Dimitrov, but I didn't name him. But yeah, I agree. He's... He's vegan, he's intriguing, he's different, <laughs> well, you know, but rides know a motorcycle, We know, know all that,
2: though, don't we? And his hair. Not the rest of the country. Who knows general managers It's in pointed this
3: up towards the middle, well, yeah. his hair.
1: The hair, definitely, you know, dad trying too hard situation going on. <laughs> Why are we leading? I saw, Greg, you wrote about it. I liked you did your points of excitement about the show. But you did something that I've also seen in other places where it's like Uh-oh. one of the things that makes Dimitrov an interesting guy is that he's a vegan. Uh, like, how does it's, that play for the cameras? It
2: does not in the football world.
1: Nice. That's the ball. But it's is, an interesting <laughs> dichotomy
3: with football guys. That's most, right. Most guys right. are, you know, meat eating cavemen. He sticks out in an NFL of groupthink and boring sound bites. He's always interesting. Okay. And he, he's not afraid to be a little different. Mark Sessler. So back off.
1: (laughs) Mark Sessler, former vegan. You get the final word.
3: I think it's interesting
4: the two guys, him and along with Scott Peelwey, that came from a Patriots organization that wouldn't do this in 10,000 years, Are Mm. I think that's your point. They were signed up for this because the owner wanted to do it back in, what, 2008? And that coaching staff won the argument. It didn't happen. The owner's getting his way this time around.
3: And it'll be great. It'll it's, be fine. It's always a great show. Four of the last eight teams. I know you said last. I word, know. But great. Who am I you to listen?
1: You try to give somebody the last word. Rosenthal can't let it happen. Four <laughs> of
3: the last eight teams have been on the show, have made the playoffs. There's a you know that means nothing. I think we got to send these cameras to the nightlife in Atlanta, some of the strip clubs, see oh. what's going on there, and then we get a little Brian Cox and Mike Tice action <laughs> in this. The most that. entertaining assistant coaches in the league.
2: True last word here. Yes. Dimitrov and Scott Pioli, stars of one of my favorite NFL books, War Room by Michael Holly, mm. which Greg did not like as much, but I thought was a fascinating look into that front office, That all those guys that came out of the Belichick tree.
1: Mark, the last word. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just move on. Okay, there you go. All right, let's move on to Can the... I chime
2: in with the last word? Yeah, go ahead. There
1: you go. go
5: All right, just uh, it's a pet peeve of mine. I, I was at Gold Standard, by the way. Go ahead, go. TD. <laughs> <laughs> I was at NFL Films where I started my NFL c- career doing the first oh. Bengals run. And it's, a lot of people say HBO show. Granted, it is on HBO, okay, but it's good folks at NFL Films that are in those it's camps, like the NFL players, and they make it happen. So. Okay. Like a little a, production note. Well, that's all it is. There a pound TV.
4: cake from NFL Films will show up at his door
2: <laughs> next <laughs> week. <laughs> TD company shill. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, that's
1: good. It's, it is fair to say because they are the ones that are, you know, HBO gets the glory. Which uh, is
3: it's not right. Which is why people are criticizing the circus coming to town. It is made by the promotional arm of the NFL. It is basically Pravda of the NFL. I mean, I love NFL films. Nice reference, but yes. I mean, it's we're not—they're not, not going to put them in a bad light. Mark, the final word. <laughs> Again, can we
4: please <laughs> wage on to the next segment
1: Thank of this show? You. Thank you. Our next making the leap candidate, number twenty-one on this list, a wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans, Justin Hunter. This one is a little different because we did the write-up. We had the two scientists, Chris Wessling and Greg Rosenthal. Uh, going back and forth, you could read it right now on the Around the League page uh, on Thursday. Once again, this sometimes happens. It's like two kids in, caught in the middle of like a, a marriage that is dissolving. Mark Sessler and I just watching the scientists bicker about this player. <laughs> so now we're going to open up the floor, let him get it out there. Justin Hunter ready to make the leap. Or is he? Go ahead,
3: John. Well, I think we agree that he's ready to make the leap. It's got your byline on it, Chris Wesseling. We disagree maybe on the level of belief, but to me, Hunter fits perfectly the profile of, the guy, of a guy that struggled at points as a rookie, was very unrefined, and is ready to see a huge uptick in stats, much like Michael Floyd, who we had on our list last year, much like Alshon Jeffrey, who was on our list last year. He reminds me of those guys in that he's not as polished as he is just physically talented, and I think he's going to have a great opportunity there.
2: What I find the most interesting about Justin Hunter is that he fits two profiles. The successful one that you mentioned and the Darius Haywood Bay, a Muhammad Massaquad, Jerome Simpson profile where he has highlight reel plays interspersed with six or seven drops in a row.
3: Simpson didn't play for four years in the NFL practically his first three or four years. Right. I'm just, He showed enough talent that he's already making plays as a rookie, Justin Hunter. Game-winning plays, big touchdowns. I know you watch them too, Mark. And yeah, I'm not a athletic. scientist.
4: You know, i maybe. are. I, I know I'm like a you know, a, maybe a student that walks in with a lab coat and refills your supplies in the in the <laughs> lab. But I watched them because you guys were the bickering didn't start been, uh, on Thursday. The bickering began uh, last weekend. I was roving around the city and I'm watching Twitter. And Greg and Wes are going back and forth. So I got home. I said, I'm gonna just gonna watch this guy's plays. <laughs> to get my own take, because I can't figure out what's going on with this guy. I like to look at making the leap, guys, where their ceiling plays to begin with. And I think he is far more interesting than Mohamed in, but But you're right, the lower plays and the drops, there's just inconsistency. Quarters would go by where he would baffle you. But some of the acrobatic catches he made are we were fascinating and his position coach said that if if the titans were to ever
2: have the chance to make the playoffs he's the reason we'd get there in the same conversation the position coach said nate washington is a pro's pro a stud and the leader of our wide All receiver right. core <laughs> so i don't think i think you know kenny Britt spent five years trying to knock nate washington off i don't know that. Justin Hunter's going to be able to do it.
3: He doesn't necessarily need to because most teams play three wide receivers most of the time. That's one of the reasons I felt so strong about Hunter is that he played 350 snaps last year. It's guaranteed he's going to double that. If he's lucky, he might almost triple that. He had pretty good production for that little time on the field last year. And yes, he's going to drop some passes. Dwayne Bowe drops a lot of passes. T.O. drops a lot of passes. Brandon Marshall's dropped a lot of passes his whole career. I'm not putting Justin Hunter there, but I'm saying that doesn't necessarily stop you from producing. He might be a little better fantasy player than he is in reality, but that talent that he has when he makes those plays jumps off the screen.
2: There's no doubt he's a stud talent. He drew comparisons to A.J. Green and Randy Moss at Tennessee. I guess my issue is those guys you mentioned, Brandon Marshall with drops, T- Terrell Owens, they make plays, too, on balls that are difficult, difficult catches. And Justin Hunter can high point a ball. If he's jumping, he's making a play. But a lot of plays where he has to reach down to get the ball or reach to the side or there's a defender in the area, I watched, and more more often than not, Justin Hunter gets his hands on a ball and he just doesn't reel it in. He's, he struggled coming back to
4: make catches. I saw that over and over. But he, and he, he struggled with drops in college as well. Yes. Do you feel like that issue can't be taught off, that he, that can't be corrected?
2: It's a good question because I don't always think drop rate is something that's predictable. You know, Roddy White a couple of years ago led the NFL in drops. The next year had just one. But then you have guys like Troy Williamson, who was drafted number 7 <laughs> overall, couldn't catch. He just couldn't catch, and if you're a wide receiver, you have to be able to do it.
1: Let me throw out a few over unders here, and we'll see what you gentlemen think. Justin Hunter, seventy receptions, 2014.
3: Way under. Yeah, I'd go under. He's just not that kind of receiver. He's not a possession guy. Even at his best, he's going to be just catching long, long passes. Eight hundred yards, over under. That's a good spot to pick him, but I'm definitely going over if I'm going making the lead. Better, but be, yeah, yeah, I was going to say. I, I think he'll be a nine hundred, a thousand yard type of receiver. I'm going under. Six
2: TDs. Over.
3: I might go over for that one. Yeah, he got four last year, yeah. and 350 snaps. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So
1: I put it through the the machine, 47 catches, 814 yards, and seven touchdowns. I'll give you I'll a, a
2: good comparison. A guy who was never a, an absolute stud, but the analyst didn't like it. The uh, met, this metrics crowd didn't like him as much. Chris Chambers. Hmm. Made a lot of spectacular catches, but always had a catch rate like below fifty-five, fifty percent.
4: It sounds like your suggestion that he'll be a better fantasy guy than he is maybe an actual player this season will uh, meet out.
3: Yeah, that it, it all, and it's part of the situation. Tennessee, even bad offenses, find thirty-five hundred yards of passing. And I just don't see where else it's the coming. From. I think they're going to more give than four
2: thousand yards last year with three different quarterbacks.
3: And what
4: happens when Bishop Sankey steps on Hunter's <laughs>
3: ankle in week
4: three? Wait, <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs>
2: We've <laughs> got a Sessler. We got a no, ses- no, no. I'm just
4: sad throwing it out there. Situationally, you never know. What's wrong with you? I'm just listen. <laughs> I am just asking a question. Yeah, but you when you doom players to serious injury, did I do? I didn't say this will happen. Just listen.
3: It's weird because you're such an optimistic guy, nicest guy in the office, all this stuff. And then when we put on the headphones, you just are wishing doom on half the NFL. He can't control the feelings (laughs) that bubble up from inside of him. Thank
2: you.
1: TD, do you see that the man is uh, difficult to read, Mark Sessler, always has been.
2: He's an injury geyser.
5: I might have to uh, turn my body language gaze on him. Oh yeah, that's one of TD's great Uh-oh. talents from over on the DDFP. He's able to read body language. What are you seeing right now, by the way? Right now, what I'm seeing from Mark and what I'm seeing from the guys, I'm seeing guys are into the show. It's it's weird actually being here doing the production, <laughs> you know. And I see Greg's looking up Google or some stuff. I don't know what he's really doing on there. I can see his screen. And uh, Dan, you're uh, same old guy. You All know.
1: right, that's good. All right, cool. Nice, good uh, body language uh, analysis. update analysis from <laughs> TV. Uh, <laughs> all right gentlemen, so let's let's move on so OTAs and minicamp going on right now I, what is it? Seven teams this week had mandatory minicamp and uh, OTAs are continuing let's go through go through some teams, go through some cities, and we'll pick out some rookies and that are making some waves I guess good or bad in a segment we like to call rookie.
3: Whispers.
1: It's kind of creepy, you yeah, know. A little bit creepy.
3: A little creepy. People have let yeah. us know that keeps them up at night. The whisper.
1: We like to keep our listeners on their toes and also up, up at night. We like to just <laughs> like it's just a terrible experience for the people listening to the show. <laughs> That's what we go for. Anyway, why don't we go around the room a little bit? Uh, we're all. You know, surfing the web all day. I sound like a 64-year-old grandpa. Surfing, surfing web. the web. The world, the world, Thanks, web. Al Gore. <laughs> the
3: internet.
2: Surfing the web. On your Google machine. Uh, looking for...
3: Riding on the old information <laughs> superhighway.
1: <laughs> You've got mail. Uh, we are... Um, we, You know, we're doing our research, so we're coming across some interesting nuggets. Who wants to jump in with something that they've seen uh, or read? in the past few days. Chris Wessling raises his hand like a good boy.
2: D. Ford, Chiefs outside linebacker. Drafted 23rd overall. It's beginning to look like he should have been drafted in the top 10. Mm. Drawing comparisons to Von Miller and Hall of Famer Derek Thomas, a first step that has been described
3: as scary. Hmm. So this is one of those shorts and T-shirt stories it's tough to get west to buy in we're sitting downstairs and he, he's like a fly swatter just knocking down everyone's <laughs> ideas for a post because he's not buying the summer hype and i'm with you for the most part but this time you're buying what's the difference with this story
2: i think when you see it from all corners of the organization he's getting hype from the general manager the coach teammates Multiple teammates are just, you know, guys like Tom Bali. He's a threat to Tom Bali's snaps, and Ali's comparing him to Derek Thomas.
4: And it's interesting. This was a team that a lot of us pegged would go after a wide receiver. They really need one, and that offense needs a game changer. And yet they went out and drafted a position that is relatively stocked with talent. So you're right, from head to toe, the team and the whole front office must have said, we can't pass on this guy.
3: Should be a fun pass rush to watch. They fell off at the end of last year. That's one of the big questions for me about that division. Which Chiefs defense is it? The one from the first half or the second half? Because if those three guys, Justin Houston, Tom Lee and D. Ford are all rolling at the same time, that's about as good a group as there is in the NFL. For a top
2: three? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's crazy.
4: Let's throw out another name. Whispers. I'm going to go to uh, Arizona and pick out John Brown. Wide receiver out of Pittsburgh State. And well,
1: Pittsburgh State drops the H at the end. A weird move.
4: Right, because it's not necessarily the one you're thinking of. Yeah, come on. You agree, though. It it threw me for a loop when uh, I, I saw it in the, in the post later on, certain that I had made a spelling mistake, <laughs> but I had not. Uh, another guy drawing favorable comparisons to an established starter, this time to T.Y. Hilton. Because... Their dimensions are exactly the same and they both have identical 434 speed and they have the same coach in Bruce Arians in terms of a guy that set Hilton free they are lining him up and people are saying that he's just been blowing the doors off that team for me I am excited to watch them because you've got Ellington out of the backfield a really fast guy then you've got they've added Ted Ginn you got John Brown here I think is going to see snaps and oh by the way Larry Fitzgerald and Michael Floyd Interesting team in the NFC West.
2: It's not your fault, Mark. But this has Peter stink, Peter King stink all over it. Why is that? Why is that? Peter King touted him as a guy you have to draft in your late rounds of your fantasy mm. draft. They're and we know the Peter King stink. I mean, he's got <laughs> Jabbar Gaffney, Eddie Royal, Danny, Danny Warfel. Warfel. I mean, if Peter King advises you to draft him, he's not going to be good. A
1: time will come where... Chris Wesley and Peter King will be on a big mountaintop with Game of Thrones swords just going at each other. You're gonna I'll wanna, be there. You're going to
3: want to put your money on me. <laughs> I've got a feeling I would. You know Peter King's not a fantasy guy when he's touting a number four wide receiver or number three who, at his best, if John Brown exceeds all expectations, he's getting, what, 650 yards? I mean, he's not a guy you're starting in your fantasy league. He's going to be an interesting guy to help the Cardinals have – one of the best receiver groups in the league, but Mark, do you really don't draft him, please? Do you really think he's getting more snaps than Ted Ginn?
4: I think that's the ob- the obstacle to him, but I guess I'm not looking just this season. Right. Down the road, he is absolutely Ginn's replacement if he is what they think he is. That's and then, fair. if you're the number three receiver in a passing offense. I don't have a problem with they that. They
3: have four wide receivers on the field a lot, and I don't know if Ginn's going to be on the field every snap. I mean, they don't use their tight ends to catch passes. They, they like spreading it out. It's not
4: like Ginn is Victor Cruz Bomb, standing in his way. And keep
3: that window open for my boy, Fair. Carson Palmer.
1: Fair <laughs> point. And, Greg, I think after last season, Ted Ginn did some things. You gained a little bit of begrudging respect for Mr. Ginn. Oh, I loved
3: Clint Ginn last yes. year. Yeah, I think we all did.
1: Let me throw a name out there. <laughs>
3: I have a feeling
2: I know which team yes. he's going to play for.
1: I think you guys know that I am a New York Jets fan, and I am excited about what's going on in the secondary. For years, this team has struggled uh, to identify strong safety play. They've had great cornerbacks in recent years, or maybe last year is not a good example, but uh, they've failed to address safety. It Really, ever since Jim Leonard broke his leg a couple years back, now they got Calvin Pryor. And Calvin Pryor, of course, uh, was taken with their first pick, uh, in 19th overall, and we have ESPN's Lewis Riddick heard, is hearing, uh, what did he say? Lewis <laughs> <Louis> Riddick said <laughs> that the, and this is Mark Sessler's writing, you know this is Sessler Pros, the hammer-dropping run-stuffer has been, quote, special, and, you know, now we're going to get to see him in pads next month, and you are going to see how he really hits. This guy's an enforcer. Rex Ryan is going to fall in love with him, and this could be the guy that finally uh, gives a new identity to the secondary post-Revis,
3: and I'm all in. I was on the uh, Dave Damashek football program yesterday, and we dropped our all-AFC East team. TD's first love, Damashek. But you already like us better, right? Come on. I wouldn't say Damashek was the first love. The pod, you know I mean? <laughs> <right>. First job. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> we were We were looking around for the all-AFC East team at safety. We had no other choices but to go with Calvin Pryor, partly because of the summer hype largely because there wasn't many options after Devin McCourty. But the, the reason I love this choice, Dan, is Rex Ryan's great with safeties. Mm, I mean, if you just look at, look at his history, he's done a great job coaching up safety. Anyone that coaches up Jim Leonard enough to the point that you actually think that was a change in the organization when he left, that's pretty good.
1: Yeah, and uh, Rich Samini reported, I think it was Samini that reported, that when the Ravens, who picked directly before the Jets, passed on – Prior, the Jets' war room just exploded because they had fallen in love with him prior to the draft. He was the guy that they had targeted uh, if they were going to pick a defender, and and now they have him, and we get to see what Rex can do with a guy that could be a stud talent.
2: Speaking of war rooms exploding. Whispers. Whispers. (laughs) When the Eagles (laughs) traded up to draft Jordan Matthews in the second round, there were high fives exchanged up and down the hallways.
3: You're falling for Matthews, too, this summer.
2: I am. I am falling Let's for hear. Jordan Matthews. Let's hear. Well, you know, go out of order.
3: Well, they, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I like it. There's, There's no there.
2: order, is there? Free-flowing
1: conversation.
2: One of the local writers tweeted early this week that Jordan Matthews has been the most impressive wide receiver in Eagles offseason practices, which says a lot about him, but also isn't surprising in the fact that Macklin's coming back from ACL surgery. Riley Cooper's talent is... He's I mean, Riley Cooper. He's Riley Cooper. He's a little bit underwhelming as far as your best wide receiver. So, But I think, you know, Jordan Matthews, also a film junkie, weight room junkie, and holds the SEC record for receptions and receiving yards. He has just about everything you want, size,
3: speed, production. And he'll be playing out of the slot, which is a nice little spot to be in that offense. Those are the guys, Just seem maybe it just seems that way, it seems like rookies have a better time breaking into the league right away if they're playing on the inside not the outside
1: Plus, you also have to keep in mind what matthews has going for him which is remote controlled cars zipping <laughs> oh, all yes. over the field uh, really getting ahead of the game while everyone else is basically in the caveman stages chip kelly has revolutionized the game with a couple you know c batteries congratulations buddy
3: Dan has gone to full troll movie <laughs> wow. with the Eagles fan base. He hates you all and That's hates you too. Not you guys.
4: Can I drop one last name? Yeah. I think we know Ryan Chazier is making Pittsburgh's <laughs> defense faster. We've gone down that road. But on offense, little five foot seven three quarters, Dre Archer.
3: Wesleyan what, and I go to Was he a humpty dumpty? Sessler's making a little motion. I here. do not
4: buy this business about him being a miniature Jamal Charles because he hadn't he didn't have a college season where he had more than 14 touches on offense, but we did Chris and I watch some of his kick return action downstairs and this guy can fly. Pittsburgh hasn't had that uh, like absolute electric gadget type player in a while and I think that he he might see
2: one or two offensive touches I think a game, special but I teams, think, though. Yeah, special three. teams. You know, I, I, the fantasy guys have been kind of saying, this guy's not that big of a deal. And that's true. He's not going to be a big fantasy thing. But the comparison to Mel Gray, one of the most exciting football players of the early to mid-90s, great kickoff return.
4: I like an NFL player that is shorter than I am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, Wes and Sessler, is it okay if Greg chimes in with a name?
4: Oh, you not picked one yet at all?
3: That's all right. Hey, oh, I'm boy. enjoying the show. We're going to hear about this. that's okay. great. <laughs> Please, Buy it. roll well, off a couple names. Well, no, while you, I just have one. While you're, you know, talking about all the big names, John Brown and Dre Archer, why don't we talk about a little guy named Johnny Manziel at some point? Wrapped mm. up his off season this week Luba, Luba. at mandatory minning camp. So he's done. Uh, what do we take from his? first off season when I listen to the reports out of Cleveland seems like you know struggled a little bit in the ways that you expect rookies to struggle going through his reads was kind of locked in on his first read and Brian Hoyer still ahead are you at all worried for instance uh, Chris Wesseling that Hoyer could still keep that lead no of course Chris Wesseling has put a pair of softball pants on the line that he will- is
1: nylon that is rubber that is composite parts that is metal zipper, all going into Wesling's digestive tract.
2: If Brian Hoyer is starting Week One, will Chris Westling eat his softball pants? Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that Brian Hoyer goes through his progressions faster than Johnny Manziel.
3: I agree. I don't. That's take- a
2: June story. Wait till August when the live bullets are flying, and jo- Johnny Manziel's escaping sacks while Hoyer is a sitting duck. Back
1: and there. and Petten, by the way, <clears throat> laid it out there as clear as possible that. He said that Hoyer is ahead, but the exact wording was insurmountable. This is not an insurmountable situation for Manziel. So it's still wide open.
3: He's not even taking 11-on-11 snaps. I mean, Brian Hoyer is coming back from ACL surgery, which Chris always points out, and it's a great point. I mean, he's not even taking the first-team snaps because he's not healthy enough. I
2: like like that the Browns are manufacturing drama to a situation that really doesn't have much.
3: (laughs) Mark, I know you went back this week uh and— had a little Hoyer party in the office. Ooh. Well, no, I, wa- I
4: wanted just to watch his stuff. And I think that it, it's easy to forget that he himself is a project with not a lot of starts under his belt on any level. And he is a smarter player than any quarterback they had last season. I think that's why he stuck out. Where you, when you're competing for the, fa- the heart of the fan base against Brandon Whedon and Jason Campbell, it's not hard. He moved the ball. He does go through his reads. That's something that's the positive. But there's nothing special about Brian Hoyer necessarily on tape. Johnny Manziel, as soon as he starts making those plays, I don't care what he does in practice, to be honest. This is a guy that I think when you put him out in the field, we're just going to see what he does. And it's like the fans are never going to settle for Brian Hoyer being the quarterback for the first eight weeks of the season. What about, Mark, your
1: thoughts, and the rest of the gentlemen in the room, on my observation earlier today that Brian Hoyer is a dead ringer for alt-rock star live lead singer
3: Ed Kowalczyk. Uh, That's fair. Like I, you know, if you were to put (laughs) your references, are getting almost as old as wrestling. That is an (laughs) aged reference. I was a
2: big live fan.
3: Yeah, I was. was, Why? I got into
2: live as well. Throwing Copper,
1: Throwing Copper was an excellent album. My brother
2: Nick, that was like that's his favorite band of all time.
4: Live toured with Counting Crows uh, for two summers and did. They they packed it that's in. A that's a loathsome That's tour. They Listen, back
1: when uh, Dan
2: when I were, you know, much younger.
1: Much younger, they they rocked it at Jones Beach in New York, and <laughs> Keep uh, in mind, people still talk about that. This show. was
2: during my mailman <laughs> era, so my taste in music might not have been evolutionary. Yet.
1: When, <laughs> when Adam Duritz of County Crows came out on stage when Live was playing the Dolphins Cry, I don't think anybody. Uh, there, there was not a dry oh, high dad. a dry eye in the house.
3: No, I could I could dolphin's sky. Live is one step above the band that did closing time. That's that will be semi Sonic,
4: that's another good band. Come on, Craig. Greg. Greg. He said that will be fine. By the way, that lead singer came from a great band called Trip Shakespeare. That's very true. Closing time, by the way, and this is apt for you, Dan, mm-hmm. is about a woman giving birth. It's about a baby <laughs> leaving the womb, and it's called Closing what? Time on that experience. Which is also what Lightning
1: Crashes was about, and we tie it all together on the Around the League podcast. It's that's it. Th- we got to get out on that.
3: It's a good thing they don't track listenership throughout the podcast, because <laughs> everyone has turned it off by now.
1: No <laughs> way. <laughs> 90s alt-rock was the best. All right, that's Life it. Life lessons. That's it for today's show. TD, welcome aboard. We're very happy to have you, and we don't want you to go away, so please don't go.
5: I'm here, guys. I'm here
1: for the long haul. All right. That is so good to hear, actually. Uh, That's it for Friday's show. We will be back on Monday, so uh, hang in there. Enjoy your weekends, everybody. Watch plenty of football and uh, whatever you want to do. I don't care what you do. Stay out of trouble. That's it for today's show. (laughs) Signing off for the mailman, the sizzler, the boss, and T-Date behind the glass. Until Monday. All right. How about, like, a sensitive one? Wait, it's still got to be a whisper. <laughs> still got to be a whisper. Whisper!
0: You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
3: I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.
0: Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin.